Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. 91st Psalm. Hallelujah to Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. 91st Psalm, verse 14. Glory to God. Because you set your love upon Him. Because he hath set his love upon me, said the Lord. Now we're talking about the love walk. If you weren't here this morning, you've got to buy 15 tapes, 14 tapes to catch up where we're at. But that's all right. You'll still just jump right on where we're at, okay? We're talking about perfecting the fruit of love inside your spirit. To get it from the spirit to the outward man. So that you can walk in that love and allow that love to flow out from you and walk as he walked on the earth. We said that the love comes from the Father to the Son. Jesus said that I walked in the love and given, shown the love to you that the Father showed to me. As I've walked in His love and kept His commandments, even so we are to walk in His love and keep His commandments. Now, God the Father loved us so much that He gave His Son. And until you understand how far-reaching that love is and understand that it's the divine agape love that's aggressive towards you, God's life and nature aggressive towards you, you'll never understand the depths of the love that God has for you. You've got to understand how much love was displayed at Calvary's cross. You've got to understand that every, the whole entire Bible is just filled with those four letters, L-O-V-E, love. It's just saturated with love. The origin, we said, the cause for redemption is the love of God, is the Father heart of God. That's how much He loved you. Now, that's God's love towards us. But now we said that there's a second part of that love that we've got to understand and be familiar with if we're going to be saturated and walk in the light of that love, and that's our love towards Him. 91st Psalm says, Because He had set His love upon me, therefore... Why? Say it with me. I have set my love upon the Lord. Say it. I told you, you got your tennis shoes on? Spiritual exercise tonight. Let's say it together. We have set our love upon the Lord. Therefore, He delivers us. He sets us on high. Because we know His name. We call upon Him. He answers us. He's with us in trouble. He delivers us from trouble. With long life He satisfies me. No, Mr. Devil. I'm not dying young. He satisfies me with long life. And shows me His salvation. Why? Because we set our... 
quick to answer somebody you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Amen? When somebody asks you how you're doing. Speak the word. Speak the word. John 14. We're going to speak a lot of the word. We're going to get so filled with it. You know, I found this out. The Lord showed me, if they don't want to do it at home, let's do it here. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen? We'll get you to speak in the word of God for sure. And then you'll be so filled with that word of God everywhere you go, you're just going to speak it everywhere, inside and outside. Everywhere. You'll go, you'll be, you know, some people used to say, well, you know, I'm just ashamed to go into this place or that place to speak the word. I'll tell you what, when we get into a place, if you go out to eat somewhere or something like that, everybody just looks at you. We just shout the word, that's all. Just speak the word, just glorify God. We almost had a revival in one of them stores. That's we did. We did. Boy, I'll tell you what, we almost shut the place down. We got together, and a few of us got together. We stopped to get a bite to eat after service. And uh, we just started praying. You know, we just unconsciously just magnifying the Lord and praising His holy name and glorifying God right there. And, and there's other people that are, of course, sitting around eating. And there was this group way off in the back over there, and I didn't know this. They didn't know, you know, it was us who we were. But they were evangelists. Some lady folk. See, they were there evangelists, and they had just stopped after service too. And they was down there magnifying the Lord. We was up there magnifying the Lord. And then we got together and introduced each other. And we all started magnifying the Lord. And all the whole place was just looking at And they looked at they, Well, we were just peculiar people, you know. I mean, they all stopped what they was doing. They're all watching us standing up in the middle, in, in, in the aisle there. We didn't care who was there. We was our own little world, just magnifying God, glorifying the Lord. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, are you? It's the power of God. Amen. Isn't that right? I'm not ashamed of it. Glory to God. How about that fellow that walks around with a six-foot cross? You ever hear that fellow? Got that six-foot cross on his shoulder and he walks all around down the streets, walks into the bars, walks into all the... Anywhere he goes, he got to carry a six-foot cross around. If that won't get your attention, nothing will. And they just, they just look at him. They just look. One fellow got saved under that ministry. And uh, he talked about it and he went on to be a preacher himself. But he said, I walked out of the bar... Just as drunk and just as on drugs, as high as I could be. I looked that fellow in the face and there was this guy standing on the corner with a six-foot cross. He said, I looked him in my eye and, I, and all he said was to me was, Jesus loves you. That's it. He said, and that thing haunted me. For just, it just stayed with us. Everywhere he went, that thing was down there. It just kept coming up. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. That's all you got to say to people. Jesus loves you. Amen? It makes a lasting impression. Isn't that right? Well, where were we at? John 14. Verse 21. Now he says, because you set your love on him, therefore will he do all these things. 
someone said, well, you know, this was a dear old saint, and, and uh, he or she, whatever the case may be, how come they died young? How come this happened to them? How come this calamity or tragedy? They loved the Lord. How come this happened to them? Well, let's look at here and see what it says here. He that, verse 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. All right, you ready? We have his commandments. Say that. And we keep them. Therefore, we love them. Now, see, you can't take that away from the Word. Jesus said, and He's speaking from the Father, if you got the commandments, and if you keep them, He it is that loveth me. Okay? And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him, if you have his commandments and keep his word. Go on down to verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, well, let's read 22. Je Judas saith unto him, not a scare, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Good question. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. How is Jesus going to manifest himself to us and not to the world? Through his word. Through his word. The person that loves him will keep his words. If he keeps his words, the love of God is perfected in him. Isn't that what it said over there in 1 John 4? Okay, or 2 rather. Let's go on. And we will come unto him and make our abode within him, or with him, inside our human spirit. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. Keepeth not my sayings. Okay. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. Now, the Father God is the one that spoke this and said this actually through Jesus. He said the person that loves him is the person that keeps his commandments and keeps his word. The commandment is what? That you love one another as I have loved you. Okay, and then the next one is that you keep his word. Now, if you're setting your love on him, that means the word is dear to your heart and you are keeping that word diligently. If you're going to keep that word and do that word, then it says you have got to meditate the word day and night, and you've got to keep the word where? In your, in your mouth. Joshua, he said, don't let the word depart out of your... You know why? Because the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. It. It's got to be in your heart to get it out of your mouth. So if it's in your mouth, you better believe it's in your heart. So if you keep that word inside your heart, you're going to speak the word at all times. And he said, speaking the truth in love, you'll grow up into who? Jesus. Into Him in all things. Now, if you really love Him, you will keep that word. You'll meditate that word. You'll study that word. I want to say this. I mean it with all my heart. If There's no excuse. If you really love God, there is no excuse for Christians today not to write to some Bible institute or Bible school. I mean one that's strong in the area of faith and love. And get a course, a study course. Every individual, if you can't go to a Bible school, then get a Bible school to come to you. I mean that. I, since I, I'm looking for the day, and, and uh, I hope this vision's in your spirit, where we could get here or at the other building, a video 
taping of Bible school. I mean that we could go through all the, all the teachings of faith and love. And I know of a real good one. And we can get it here and we can have nights that we can come in and just study all together. All the teachings. And I mean hours of just fantastic teachings from all the men and women that are the teachers of faith today. I'm talking about all the, those that are called into the prophets ministry and the teachings ministry. That are out there now teaching the word of faith. You wrap up together all the fine men and women that we have teaching the word of God today. You put them all together and you've got yourself in one Bible school on videotape. You'll be actually be able to see them teaching as they do in the schoolrooms, all the Word of God. And all we'll have to do is just, for a limited expense, all get together right here, take care of the film, and get together and sit and watch that fantastic teaching. Now, if you love Him, your desire should be to get all the Word. You know, you can. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to benefit from somebody who's uh, up there in years and spent their entire life meditating the Word of God. I'm going to benefit. I'm not, I'm not proud. I'm going to benefit from all the good teaching of the Word of God that there is out there. Amen? And if we really love Him, friends, we're going to do it. What is the biggest reason why Christians do not read their Bibles? Say it. I got TV out there. One. Anybody else? Okay, how about this? That's good, right there. How many have you heard say, I just don't understand it? Listen. They pick up the Bible, they begin to read the Bible, and before you know it, where do I begin? Where do I go to? What am I going to read? What about this? What about that? That's what people say. That's what people say. You go and find, you find out and you'll see how many believers do not take the time to read the Word of God daily. It amazes me. I know of some, and we talk about, I'm not talking about full gospel people now. Full gospel people. You talk to them about some problems or this or that that they have, and, before, and you ask them, do you read the Word of God? Once in a while. How once in a while? Five minutes. Here, five minutes there. Do you pray in the Spirit? Uh Uh-uh. Maybe once a week or twice a week. Do you think I'm kidding you? I'm serious. If you're not digging in... Here's your first... My first love. We talk about the first love. We're going to get into this thing yet. If we talk about your first love... Jesus said you left that first love. If, If your first love was like my first love, I couldn't get my nose out of the book. I could not get my nose out of that book. I just... There's no way you could tear me away from it. No way! Impossible. You couldn't tear me away from it. You could try all you want, but you could not tear me away from that Bible. People want to find God. They want to seek God. He's in the Bible. Didn't you know that? But people will not take the time. There's this excuse. There's that, that excuse. And you could come up with a hundred excuses. But listen to this. Jesus said, it's just plain old this. You don't love me. Oh, dear Lord. That's an accusation against the church, I'll tell you right now. He said, you don't love me. He said, I've got someone against you. You've lost your first love. When I hear people being saved 10, 15, 20 years and find out that they're very limited in reading in God's Word, you know what I've got to say about that? What's wrong? Don't you love Him like you loved Him? 
You could study His Word every day, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, from now until Jesus comes and never know, I believe, everything that's in that Bible. I mean, never really the fullness of everything that's in that Word of God. And never understand the entire counsel of God because the Word says that the things that are revealed are for you to know, but the things that are hidden, those are the secret things, that are, they're for God. There's not an excuse that we have as Christians. Not one excuse that's going to be accepted when we stand before the throne of God and say, and He says to us, what have you done with the Word? Listen, listen to the words of Jesus again. He that loveth me keeps my words, keeps my sayings and keeps my commandments. And the only way you can do that, Joshua was told to do study and meditate was because why? That thou mayest observe to do all that's written in the book. And if you don't do it on a daily basis, and if you don't sacrifice something, if you don't take up your cross and follow Him, if you do not sacrifice time in your life, I'm not saying it. Jesus is saying it. Then what you're actually showing is your love for Him is limited. He that loveth me not doesn't keep my sayings. And His sayings are found in that Word. Can you see that? Now that's what He's saying to us. They lost that first love. They lost that intimacy with the Word of God. They got to a point of lack of understanding and instead of diligently seeking out help, there are Bible schools all around here. I can tell you a good one right now if you want. Word of Faith Bible College. Got a fantastic curriculum. Very cheap. You could go at your own speed. You could send in for courses. One at a time. And I'll tell you what, you can learn some Word of God. Their teachers are Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, Norval Hayes, Bob Boots, Jerry Savelle. I could just name them right on, right on down. Fred Price, just name them right on down. Uh, Robert Tilton's president. And I mean, there are some courses out there that are fantastic. Valerie Owens. Now, these are people that are in their field. Excellent teachers in their field, and they're going to give they're going to give you diligent teaching and study in every individual course. You could take a course on wisdom. I mean, it's like twenty eight lessons on wisdom, forty five minute a lesson, just on wisdom itself, and it goes through the entire book of Proverbs on wisdom. We've got no excuse for not getting that sort of thing and getting to our spirit. There's no excuse. You can get Old Testament, New Testament, men of faith, how faith works, love, who is God. All these, you can get all this stuff. All this material is available to us today. Number one, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed. I don't care who you are. You need to be approved unto God by studying. And if you don't know how to read God's Word and study it the right way, then send for help. I mean that sincerely. Send for courses, certain courses. That you could get, and they could teach you diligently from each course. Can you see that? If you really love me, he said, you'll find it. It's out there. But you're talking about taking all these people that have spent hours upon hours upon hours. You could get each one of their studies right in your home. Every one of them. Now, for you to do the study, all the studies that, that it took them, each one of them individually, for their certain course. I mean, if I spent... A year just studying on wisdom. And you spent a year just studying on love. And you spent a year just studying on faith. And another one spent a year just studying on righteousness. And then got all the best of all those teachings and put them together in one course. 
And so they're available to you. Well, I'll tell you what, you can get some power pack study. And you can get the knowledge of all them different teachers in your, into your possession, and you can grab a hold of it just like that. Can you see that? But no, we want to be, you know, I'll get it myself. Why? When he put teachers in the church for the perfecting of the saints. Why? Humble yourselves. Glory to God, it's available to us. Go out there and get it. I can't express enough right now that if you really love Him, it's time to stop making excuses and it's time to start getting into God's Word. If you really love Him. Now that's what Jesus said. Can you see that? Let's go to Luke, the sixth chapter. Yes, it might mean giving up some things. It might, be, it might mean giving up some pleasures. It might mean that. But as I, as I think about it, how many times have we walked away from His love? How many times have we only gone so far in prayer and then got up and walked away from His love and His presence? Let me share this with you. I want you to see it. Vividly. Uh, I'll just say, we'll use not this body here, but the entire church in a whole. The entire body in a whole. When we know we're in God's presence, and we're standing in God's presence, and you know that that presence is there, and you're reverencing that presence, let's take it on a one-to-one basis first. If you're in your prayer room, or if you're in your bedroom, or if you're in your, in your house somewhere, and you are talking and praying. Talking is nothing, praying is nothing but talking, communicating with your Father. And you're in that place of intimacy with Him. And somebody walks into the room, intrudes into the room that you're, that you're in, and says something to you. Let me put it to you like this. Would you, as a person, if you saw two people talking together, Would you walk up to that person and interrupt them? Or would you wait until they're done and then say, Now, I want to talk to you. Wouldn't you wait until they're done to be polite? Wouldn't you do that? Or would you just barge right on in there and just step in front of the other person and start talking? Anybody in the natural realm would not interfere if they're talking together. I want you to begin to practice this. When you're talking with the Father... In prayer. Or when we're in the presence of the Lord, even corporately here together is is a body. If I am communicating with the Father, if you're communicating with the Father, if you're praying, if you're speaking words to Him, would you interrupt that? Would you walk away from it? Would anybody that that came in the room, would they, as as they come to interfere or or to, you know, start to talk to you or to grab a hold of you, wouldn't that be just the same as if it was talking to a human being that was here on the earth? Would there be any difference if you were talking in, uh, with the Father? There would be no difference, would there? If I'm talking with the Father, or if you're talking with the Father, how quick if somebody says, Hey, just like that, you turn and walk away. Just turn and walk away. How do you know he was done talking to you yet? Did you just leave him just like that? Just like that, just walked away from that. Or oh, the phone rings. I've thought about this. We do not act as though God is present with us. And I'm not saying in this body alone. I'm talking about all bodies. 
You can go to church service after church service and after church service, and most of the people do not realize or are, are aware that God is present in the room with them. If you can't be aware of it here, how can you be aware of it when you're alone? We are, and I don't have to put it this way, too much of the body is not God conscious. They're not aware of the fact that the presence of God is with them and they can communicate and talk with Him at any time. And so consequently we just get up and go our way or we just go ahead and interfere or we, you know, just butt in on a conversation that somebody's having with God. We treat Him as though He's not there. I believe, friends, that we could get to a place in our spiritual walk that it'll be so real when you're communicating with the Father God that when somebody says something to you, you'll say, I'm sorry, but I'm talking to the Father. You'll have to wait till I'm done. I mean that. I mean that. You'll have to say that. Because His presence will be so real to you, you see, that you won't, you won't even turn around. I heard someone say that he doesn't even lift up his head or look if anybody says anything to him. And that people thought he was actually rude for doing it. But listen to me. If you really know that you're praying and God is hearing your prayer, you are communicating with Him just as, as if I was communicating with you right here. Isn't that true? Then, then we, as an individual, should know and have enough sense to even say, I'm sorry, wait a minute. I'm talking with the Father. Can you see that? What Jesus wants us to realize is that when you really give your all to Him and set your love and affection upon Him, you are going to be totally aware of the fact that God is with you everywhere you go. He'll be sitting next to you when you're riding inside your car. You'll be to the point inside your life to where anything else that interferes, you, you, won't, give that second, you won't give God second place. You'll give Him the first place. You'll give the other people second place. I mean that. We should be that aware of God's presence. How do you do that? By practicing it. Practicing the presence of God. I mean that. Practice the fact that He's with you. If you don't know He's with you, how are you going to be aware of the fact that He's in you? And that's why a lot of Pentecostal people do not pray in tongues. The Bible says that when you pray in tongues, you speak it not unto men, but unto who? They don't even know that when they're speaking in tongues that they're speaking directly to the throne of God. I mean, we should be doing it all the time, under your breath. I'm not saying go off and make a spectacle of yourself. I don't want that to, get, I don't want that to come across that way. But if praying in tongues is praying to the, throne, to the throne of God, communicating with your Father God, how real is it if you don't pray in tongues? Every born-again believer that's Spirit-filled should have a life of flowing in tongues at all times. When you're, when you're not, you know, occupied with other things. I mean that. See, this is practicing the presence of God the Father in your life. Now, the Bible says that if you do that, it'll keep you in the love of God, doesn't it? Matter of fact, let's, let's get back into this. Let's go, we're in Luke here, the sixth chapter. We've got to get some of these things out. These things are needful for, for development and growth in our spiritual walk. I want to get to the point in my life that my relationship and fellowship with the Father is more real to me than all the other things that are around me. I want to get to a place that we're so moved and motivated by that love that just as Jesus was moved with compassion, when somebody comes to you, you will have the answer from on high right there.
Because you, will have, you would have been in communication with your Father God. But see, we're ever learning these things, ever learning these things, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. You have got a powerful asset in your own life by praying to the Father in an unknown tongue. You could talk to Him right now. But you see what knowledge does? When I talk about this, it makes it so real. I could just slip off into tongues right now, and I will be actually talking, speaking mysteries under the Father God, directly to His throne. And it's only as real in your life as you make it. Practice that. Next time your wife or your husband says, Honey, would you do this while you're praying? Say, Yes, I'm sorry, but in a minute. Right now, I'm talking with my father. Can you come to the phone, honey? No, have him call back. At the moment, I am communicating with my father God, and I don't want to interfere that, and interrupt that communication or that fellowship. How quickly are we to get off our knees and go and answer the phone and just leave him there? You know, that's it. And just walk and turn our backs on him. Can you see what I'm saying? That's love. Your love for Him. Just to walk into your prayer closet. Just to get down on your knees and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I've only come here just to tell you that I love you. I want to communicate with you. I want to fellowship with you. I just want to talk to you. And the Bible says, if I talk in tongues, I'm talking to you. In the perfect will. And so I'm just going to get on my knees for a while and just talk with you. And just, you know, be in your presence. Just stay here for a while. Uninterrupted. And just stay here and just fellowship with you. Just pal around with you. So to speak. Can you see that? We can do that. We have the ability to do that. But how many take the time to do that? Now I could think, I, could, I know you all could think about a thousand excuses why not to do it. But I'm going to give you the one main one. Because most do not know or have an understanding of that intimate relationship with Him. That they could get down on their knees and actually directly communicate with their Father God right there. And do not understand it fully and do it. Because I'll tell you what, if you did, if you really knew and knew that you knew that God, you were actually speaking to the creator of the universe, you've got an open line right to his throne room, you'd probably never come out. You'd never come out of that presence. Right? You'd never want to. That presence is so real. He's here. He's with us. At times, we should just be able to hear a pin drop. Because we know that we know we're in the awesome presence of a holy God. And you'll never see a head turn away. But no, you see all the expectancy of this Creator, of this Father, here willing, willing to flow His, let His love flow forth to us and meet every need of every individual that's in this place. We should have such a great expectancy that we've gathered together around the throne of God and our Heavenly Father loves us so much that if we will put ourselves in this right state of mind, spirit, soul, and body, and be separated unto Him, a holy vessel, then that love of God is just going to overpower us. That love of God is just going to flow out from us. And you'll, you'll leave this place and you won't walk out of that presence. You'll say, I'm staying in this. I'm just going to stay in this. Father, I'm just going to talk with you. That's all. He's up there. Look up. He's here too, but the psalmist said, in the morning, 
I'll direct my prayer unto thee. I'll lift my, uh, and I'll look up. That's what he said. In the morning, he said, you'll hear my voice. In the morning, he says, I'll direct my prayer unto thee, and I'll look up. See that intimacy. Oh, praise God. We set our love upon Him. We have given our lives. This is the quality decision to give up your life for the Master. I mean it, friends. Jesus said, if a man will not take up his cross and deny himself and follow me, he's not worthy of me. He's talking about giving up your carnal life. Giving it up. I mean that. I mean that with all the sincerity of my heart. People don't understand why men like E.W. Kenyon, F.F. Bosworth, can get to a place of spiritual growth and development that they could walk free from sickness and disease. You think it's just like that. No, the first thing you'll find out from E.W. Kenyon is this. Separate yourself from all outside activity. All. Uh-oh. Now, see, that's not preaching condemnation. That's putting you like this. That's giving you an ultimatum. Do you want to walk in that love? Do you want to have God's love dripping off you? Do you want to be in such a position and place with the Father God that every time you just look up and say, Father, I thank Thee that Thou hearest me always and I know that You hear me always because I'm walking in Your love. Now, Father, this little one came to me and they have, they have need of help. You will be the channel. You will be the vessel. When are we going to understand that God does not work apart from man? You will be that channel, that vessel, that God could pour out that love through you and go to that person and meet that person's need. See? But he said, you'll give up all. He gave up all outside activity. All outside activity. Until he got to a place that he was so enveloped with God's love. He said, faith became unto me more... Natural than feeling. Faith was so much in his spirit that to him it was like breathing. He never had to ask whether he had faith. You don't have to ask yourself, do I have enough faith to go into the house and ask my mother for a cookie? You just go do it, right? Well, he said he was so, so much, he had so much of God's love and faith inside him. That it was, he was unaware of the fact that he was exercising faith. He said, you'll just go and do it. You'll just walk up to that person that has a need and just lay your hand on them and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Just like Jesus did. See, unaware of any, unaware on your part of any act of faith. You'll just be acting out the part because it'll be so, you'll be so full of it, so filled with it. So filled with this love. As a matter of fact, when you become when we all become to a place that we are so united with the love of God, we are so in communion with Him, and that love has taken hold of our life. Paul said, the love of Christ has constraineth us. The love of Christ governs your every move in your life. When that love and the love of, the love of God that's in you and your spirit, soul, and body are working together in the light of that love. It will be nothing less than the same life that Jesus lived on the earth. God, men. John G. Lake said it was just like a God man on the earth. God is looking for God men. 
and women on the earth today. It will not be you and God up there. But it will be one. God in you and you in God and working together. You will just be that representative. You will just be the one to carry out the actions on the earth. And it will just flow through you just as if it was God Himself standing right there. That's what He's talking about. Such a union of holy with holiness. Such a union with God. Such a union with love itself. He says, I remember one woman was dying and she was on her deathbed. And they called for me. And I went in there and I prayed and I prayed and I, did, I bound this and bound that and did this and did that. But then something came over me. It was the love of God. He said, it was the compassion of God. And I just looked at her and the Holy Spirit showed me her in a way I never saw her before. He said, so I just took her and lifted her up in my arms. And I held her. Didn't pray a word. Didn't pray a prayer. I just held her. Embraced her. I mean, she was about dead. And as I held her to my bosom, he said, and then let her go back down. Within five minutes, she rose up, rose up completely healed. Just rose up off that bed, completely healed. He said, it was as though the compassion that came through the Lord Jesus Christ just filled his heart and flowed out from his being right into hers. And he was the channel of God's love. It just filled his heart. And it went forward from him into that body. And that body was completely healed. Completely. He got to the point in his life that sin, or that sickness and disease germs could not live on his mortal body. Proven. Scientifically. When they stuck the germs from a disease under a microscope, Filled with thousands of germs. And they poured that same specimen on his hand. And when it touched his hand, they stuck it under the microscope. And every germ was dead. Every germ died. Not one germ could live on his body. And he says, it's because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. Therefore, germs of sickness and disease have no right and cannot live on my body. One with God. Because God cannot allow germs to live on His body. He said, this Christian walk is not for babies. He said, this Christian walk is for people that are ready to be tough. I'm talking about spiritually. And if you're there and look, we're going to see just glory to God. We will get into this teaching. Look at this. This may, it sounds to a lot of people that they'll just purpose in their heart never to do it. But I'll tell you what, I purpose in my heart to do it. Look at what he said. This is love. We're going to get into love and get back into our spiritual exercises. But I say unto you, this is verse 27, which hear. But I say unto you, which hear. The whole key to the parable of the sower was here. Here. Listen to what he's saying. Look at this. Will you hear? Love your enemies. How? Do good to them which hate you. Oh, someone says, you know, we got, these people don't like us. I'll tell you what. If someone said to me they don't like me, I would begin to just shout. Oh, Glory. 
Glory, glory. I would. Oh, this is an opportunity to do good to them. I remember when I first got saved, I said, Lord, show me the poor. The Bible says, he that hath pity on the poor lendeth to the Lord. And that which he gives, the Lord's going to repay him again, right? But I said, Lord, I could give to this and that and this and that. I said, but please, who's the poor? Who's the poor? Who's the poor? Please, who's the poor? And would you know, look, I'll show you how this thing works. People will come your way that have a need. Now, I'm going to share this with you. Because I believe I'm led of the Spirit of God to do it. Right here in this building, someone came here and said, I have need of food. I have need of food. And I says, well, you know, what do you need? How much do you need? What do you need? And we gave here, we always do, because we believe the Bible teaches us that. But this isn't what this person said. He says, I have been to other churches that all they did was prayed for me and sent me away. Where's the poor, Lord? Didn't they see him when he came? Didn't they? The poor is someone who's in need. I don't care what you need at any given time. If you need it, and you have need of it. And if you're asked to give, give. Give. Without asking questions, give. Just give. It's not up to you. It's not up to me. It could have been an angel, as far as you know, to see what you would do. But look, at and, uh, and the churches would go around and say, Oh, Lord, let us give. We want to give to the poor. We want to give to the poor. But when the poor comes so they can be given to, be warmed and filled. We'll pray for you. When someone comes up to your door and asks you, can you loan me $20? Give. Without thinking about getting it back again. That's what he's saying. We'll read this on. That's what he's saying. This is love in action. Don't, you don't have to look be, very far. If you mean this from your heart, you'll get the poor coming to your doorstep. Some of them say, well, then what are we going to do? What if they come back? Give. Give. You can't outgive God. You'll never outgive God. Don't even think about it. Give cheerfully. Give with love from your heart. Give. Let's go on and read, read this. Do good. Do good to them that hate you. Every opportunity you find to do good to somebody, do it. Especially if they're speaking evil against you. Do good to them. That's the love of God. This is the love of God that people in the earth today should be showing. Christians should be showing today in the earth. I mean that. Let's go on. Bless them that curse you. Doesn't say curse them. Says bless them. Do you know what so and so said about me? Bless them. Bless them. I've already been called everything I could think of. And then some. But listen. The Bible says bless them. Yeah, bless them. Even an occult leader. 
Now think about that. But the Bible says, nothing's going to happen to you that didn't happen to Jesus. Right? What should you do if someone talks about you like that? Get on your knees and say, Father God, bless them in the name of Jesus. And you'll learn something about the love of God. I don't care what your friends, what your neighbors, what your family says about you. Don't go off and start having saying smart remarks about them. You know what you're showing? You're showing that you, with the love of God inside you, are not showing any more sense than they are. But you walk off away from them and get on your knees and say, Father God, hallelujah. This is an opportunity for me to show love. And to act like you. I'm going to show you this is acting like your father. Walk in love or imitate your father. Look at Pray for them which despitefully use you. Unto him that smiteth thee on the cheek, offer the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man, give to every man that asketh of thee. Did you underline that? Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. All right. And as you would that men should do to you, do you also like that to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good, do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them with, of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, lend hoping for nothing in return, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. You shall be the imitator of the Father God, is what this is saying. Why? Because look, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. I am to show the same mercy towards everybody that the Father God showed towards me. And what kind of mercy did he show towards me? I deserved hell, and so did you. That's right. Do you know where love begins? I want to get. I wanted to get into so bad. Tonight. Do you know where love begins? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Do you know why that's the sin that Jesus said that if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven? That's a spiritual law, friends. If you hold that much in your heart towards anybody, you'll not be forgiven because you're doing it as an act of your will. God so loved you that He forgave you. What do you think giving Jesus means? He loved you so much that He forgave. And we are to love one another how? As He loved us, and we are to forgive even as He has forgiven us for Jesus' sake. That's where love begins. In verse 38, let's tie it all together now. In verse 38, Give and it shall be given unto you. What is he saying? You give out. You give out the same way he's talking about right here. You give out of your heart, out of the abundance of your heart. You give forth and show this kind of lifestyle to everybody around you and it shall be given. Not only talking about finances. The Bible says that if you walk uprightly before God, He'll make your enemies be at peace with you. When the Lord says, I am your shield and buckler. I am your exceedingly great reward. The answer is very simple. 
They do not know the love that the Father has for them. If I have to hire a bodyguard, then it must be... How about Elijah when he, him and Gehazi was at Dothan? And the entire Syrian army surrounded to destroy the prophet of God. And his servant got fearful. Elijah said, fear not. There's more that be for us than that be for them. Lord, open up this boy's eyes so he may see. Hallelujah. And there was an army of angels around them that protected them. And all the forces and the devils and the demons of hell could not even harm one hair on their heads. Hallelujah. There shall no evil befall thee. No plague come nigh your dwelling. If trouble comes, I'll deliver you and honor you. With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. He said that the way is straight and narrow. And he's talking about the walk of love. Walk in love every step of the way. And when you do, there will be no power on this earth that can destroy you until it's time for you to lay down your head and say, Father, I'm coming. I'm coming home. None. They won't need to have any fences around their houses. Like I said, I'm not speaking anything against it. If you don't understand that love, and if you don't have that surrounding you, you're going to need some help if people are trying to kill you. Right? But I'm saying this. We could get to the place in our spiritual walk and development in God's love that you could actually walk down the street and say, Fear thou not. I am with thee. I'm not dismayed for the Lord is my God. As a matter of fact, Jesus will never leave me nor forsake me. And therefore I boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Those words will cause a legion of angels to surround you. That's right. Those words will cause the supernatural power of God to act on your behalf when a man of God speaks faith like that in God's love. That's faith in His love for you. He loves you so much. What do you think He meant in the 91st Psalm? I don't know how people that are honest Christians could read the 91st Psalm and then say that it's God's will that tragedy comes against them. When it tells you throughout the entire psalm that He'll deliver you from every, every force of evil. You know what love is? The 22nd Psalm shows to you and me the death of our Savior. The 23rd Psalm is what generation we're living in right now. The 24th Psalm shows us the millennial reign of Christ in the earth. They're all prophetic. 22nd, 23rd, 24th. You, beloved, are in the 23rd Psalm. Listen. The Lord is your shepherd. The shepherd's responsibility is to diligently, vigilantly take care of the flock. And it means tender, loving care. It means to give himself to protect, to feed, to guide that flock. The Lord is your guide. He is your tender, loving care person. He is your great shepherd. 
Therefore, you have no wants. He leads you. He makes you lie down, first of all, into green pastures, meaning that there's an abundance. There's rest, there's relaxation, there's abundance of food. Supply all your need. Then He leads you beside the still waters. There's a refreshing that comes to you. There's a relaxation. There's a quietness. There's a peace. This is the rest, the refreshing. With another tongue shall I speak unto my people. And in this tongue shall you find waters of refreshing. Living water flowing out from your belly. And as you speak forth in a new tongue unto your heavenly Father, there's a rest, there's relaxation, there's quietness, there's peace. There is an overflowing of the love of God. Keep yourselves in love of God. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Okay. He brings back your mind to the same state that you had when you were back there in the Garden of Eden. When he came down in the cool of the day and spoke to you one-on-one, honored you with his presence. That's what he's saying. That's what we're living in right now. That's what we're living in right now, this time. This love, this protection, this attention that the Father God has given us through Jesus Christ. He leads you beside the still waters. He restores your soul. Now listen, though there is to us a valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The scripture says there shall no evil happen unto the righteous. Right? Well, I don't fear any. I don't fear any evil. It's only a shadow of death. It's not the real thing. It's only the shadow. It's a shadow of death. It's an image of death. But blessed be God, Jesus is, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me shall never die. So it's a, a shadow never hurt anybody. There you are. You're in the middle of that shadow of death. Notice you're walking. If you were running, you'd be in fear. But you're walking. Hand in hand with the Master. Arm in arm with the great shepherd of your soul. Mind restored and renewed. Why? Because his rod and his staff are on either side of you. The rod being the Word of God. The staff being His Holy Spirit. Are right there. Right by your side. They have made a hedge about you. So that while you're walking through this valley. This dark valley of the shadow of death. You'll fear no evil. None at all. There's divine protection. There's supernatural intervention right there. And if that wouldn't be enough. That would be enough. But he goes on to say, there's a table. You could actually, I could go throughout the Old Testament and show you where the men of God ate in the presence of their enemies and were untouched by their enemies. Literally. David ate the showbread that was unlawful for him to eat. Well, the enemy was right there in, his, in the town. He went in, he ate it and walked off his way. God protected him. He said, there's a table for you to eat from. The milk of the Word. The meat of the Word. Amen? The bread of life. The oil for your salad. The fruit of the Spirit for your dessert. The oil of gladness. The joy of the Lord. There it is. It's spread out for you. All you've got to do is come and eat. And if you do, your cup will be overflowing with the life, the Spirit, and the life of God. 
flowing out from you in abundance going forth. That's what he's showing. That's what we're living in right now. And then he said, surely, goodness and mercy. See, you're walking that way. There's the valley. There's the shadow of death all around you. There's the table. There's the staff. There's the rod. But then goodness and mercy above you, we've got the oil. But behind you, goodness, which is the glory of God, and mercy, which is His love and compassion, are following you all the days of your life while you're here. And then you'll also dwell in the same house of the Lord forever. Forever. That's what He's talking about. That's the picture that the 23rd Psalm shows us. Every move we make should be in the hand of the Master. Every step we take should be a step in love. And as we do, and as we stay in that love of God, we are dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. No evil will befall you. No plague come now your dwelling. But if a man will follow me, let him take up his cross. Let him take up his cross. Let him deny this carnal life and follow me. The forerunner is Jesus. You want to follow him tonight? You're going to have to start with forgiveness. This is one thing I never had a problem with. I mean it with all my heart. I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that I, I did not have the ability inside my spirit to hold a grudge against anybody from the day I got saved. And what an asset that is. I, I said it before. You could hit me in the head. You could knock me in the shins. You could do anything you want to do. I'll love you. I will. I will. That's love. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. That's how God acts towards you. He's taking no account of the evil you've done. That love is ever ready to believe the best about every person that's there, that they're around. That puts an end to all gossip. I believe the best about brother, sister, so-and-so. Can you see that? This is the picture that has been painted for you and for me. In the love of God. This is what's... Uh, he said few there be that find it. He didn't say few are going to heaven, friends. There'll be a lot in heaven. He said few there are going to be that's going to find that walk of love. Because they're not diligently seeking it. But I'll tell you what. I believe there can be a day in every one of our lives in this body right here that we could walk as He walked. That's been my goal in life since I got saved. I'm going to pursue that goal. Until one day, I'm so saturated and dripping in the love of God. It'll be like the men of old when they said, These gi there's giants in the land. These people are giants in the kingdom of love. And it won't be just a few men like E.W. Kennedy Hagen, F.F. Bosworth, Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake. It won't be just a few. There will be a whole mass of people. There will be a body that's so filled with the love of God that this world will know that there's a God of the universe. They'll know that we are His disciples because our love 
is so far-reaching, one towards another. You'd never say a crossword to me, and I'd never say a crossword to you. And glory be to God, that love of God shall be shining forth from our hearts till all the world around us could see it. And men will fall down at our feet and say, how could I have this that you got? You don't have to say two words to your loved ones, to your family. They'll not be able to stand in your presence without being under conviction. Are you willing to choose the love walk? I'm willing. This is what he wants for us, friends. Next time we meet, we are going to take it apart. The actions of love. We're going to confess them. We're going to live them. We're going to do them. We're going to act them out. We're going to walk like it. We're going to talk about it till, dear God, it just flows out from us. All we're going to do is hear love. Love, 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 love. And love never faileth. And you will never fail. Amen? You'll never fail. You'll never fail. Never. Let's bow our heads. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.